You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Series XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And this is our Spotlight segment. And in this Spotlight segment, we are thrilled to welcome Elizabeth Marcus, CMO at Dryer's Grand Ice Cream. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Americus. Thank you so much for having me today. Awesome. We're very excited to talk with you. I mean, we were just noticing the weather's starting to get warmer and it's about time to start talking ice cream, don't you think? I love it. (laughs) Every day is a good day to talk ice cream, in my opinion. Yes, that's true. We were just saying Americus eats his at 10 at night. um, night. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I do. But I mean, it is. I I believe there is seasonality in ice cream. It's got to be. You sell more ice cream in the summer, though, right? No? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now, this past year has been a little different, right? We've all been Mm. home. So I think we've all been eating a little more ice cream uh, Mm. than usual. But certainly it is seasonal. Well, now, now that you mention it, I mean, I know a lot of drinks and we've been talking about as much as people have been drinking more beer than ever, um, but beer was still hurt because a lot of beer is, is uh, drunk on pe- premises in restaurants and, and in um, you know, bars. But is that true for ice cream too? Is typically is ice cream eaten out or as much or is it eaten at home? I'm how to, how does ice cream play that way? Yeah, great question. Yeah. So the what we call the out of home category and the in home category. So traditional retail, they're almost the same size. I think what's uh, from a category size, what's been interesting is the increasing consumption we've seen since really March of last year for our category has been incredible, right? People are now having every meal at home, think about they're working from home, their kids are home. Uh, so it certainly had a very positive and impact for us um, in the category for sure and for our brands. So the increase in sales you had in in in-home ice cream consumption compensated for the decrease in out-of-home? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for us at Dryer's Grand Ice Cream, that is correct. Ah, that's interesting. Well, good luck for the next season as places start opening up. But I would imagine ice cream is habit forming. So once you start getting used to that delicious <laughs> taste, yeah. that's not something. And you don't think of it as a vice in the same way. So probably, I mean, I can imagine if you've been drinking too much, maybe you might want to cut back on that. <laughs> it's got the same feeling for ice cream. Right. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. People tend to enjoy it. More so let's, before we get to what you're doing, and I know you're doing some really interesting things as we're heading into ice cream season, but tell us a little bit about your background and what, what, how you got to be a marketer and, and where you come from and how you came to this brand. Oh, of course. Sure. Happy to. So I've always worked in food. I love food. Uh, and my food career started at Wegmans Food Markets, which is a family owned, amazing uh, grocery chain out of Rochester, New York, where I grew up. Uh, and I worked there and I worked in every food department. I worked in their seafood department. I worked in their front end department. Uh, I did a little bit of HR there, but I learned so much about food while I worked with them. And that's honestly where my interest for marketing got sparked is because I got to see firsthand uh, working in the stores, uh, all these great brands coming through and kind of the communication, the packaging, innovation. So that inspired my love and my interest in marketing. Spent two years in North Carolina where I did my MBA at UNC Chapel Hill and then joined Nestle out on the West Coast uh, and had the 
opportunity to work on some amazing beverage brands. Nesquik, an iconic brand. Mm -hmm. I worked on Nescafe, which is a global coffee brand. Uh, I worked on uh, Juicy Juice and a number of other businesses and spent about 13 years uh, in beverages. And then about four years ago, I got a call uh, that there was this great opportunity to work on the Haagen-Dazs brand, and I could not pass it up. Uh, so I've worked uh, on ice cream now for the last four years. And about a year ago, right after, right before the pandemic started, I took over the role as the CMO for Dryer's Brand Ice Cream. So now I get to work on many wonderful brands, including Haagen-Dazs, Outshine, Dryer's, Edie's, Skinny Cow. So wow. yeah, my job is, oh, well, uh, it's hard to call it work. <laughs> So Skinny Cow is one where it's a little bit less fattening than some of the others, right? That's right. For that consumer that's looking to maybe keep an eye on, on their calories, it's a brand that can wow. help do that and still deliver great products. So, Interesting. Uh, but yeah, my job is definitely in our household. I say that I have the most fun job for sure. Interesting. Well, you know, so, okay, go ahead, Marcus. No, I was just going to ask uh, Elizabeth. Your family must be like um, the expectations that you must have in the house must be like there better be like tons of this awesome ice cream all the time, right? <laughs> it's so true, Americans. And not only that, if we go to people's homes, obviously before COVID, and my kids were offered ice cream, they would always ask, "What brand?" You know, <laughs> all the brands they work on uh, so quite well. My seven and nine-year-olds are are quite trained on it. Oh, that's you know, great. I was going to ask you, I mean, I was really struck by your beginnings in the supermarket and because you really learn, you know, by observing what sells it, what gets picked off the shelf, what's visible on the shelf. So I'm sure you're pretty sensitive from a very organic means of packaging and the importance of brand. And since you've had this really long career in CPG, um, I, I know you're going to talk about the Haagen-Dazs campaign, which is a very different campaign. But Americus and I have been talking about this for a while, and I'm curious to hear from your point of view being in the industry. If you've seen a role, a change in the role of branding and packaging, you know, even before the pandemic, just what a brand stands for, how the packaging has changed and things like that, because you have a pretty long history of branding yeah. of CPG. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you both know this. We always talk about packaging as sort of the most impactful touch point, right? Is the one that, you know, uh, certainly it's in front of the consumer in that moment of truth, right? So, uh, you know, I think for us, as we think about all of our brands, we, we take packaging, obviously, very seriously as part of our communication and as a super strong touch point. You know, in the, in the last... Um, few years, I think when you look at the ice cream category, I think one part that uh, we're always trying to balance is, um, you know, there's so many brands, so many choices in that aisle. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you make sure that you stand out, right? Some of the cues are quite similar, right? The ice cream scoop or the ingredients. So I think for me, um, it's interesting seeing how brands are reinterpreting that, you know, this last year, um, how some brands maybe are, um, pushing away from what's expected traditionally in a category uh, and bringing maybe some new, some new cues. So I think for me, packaging is always a very fascinating element of what we're doing. Interesting. And before we get into the Haagen-Dazs brand, which is, I know what we're going to talk about, but I'm just struck that I've got this expert <laughs> here and I want to ask you some more questions. Um, because one of the things I've been teaching, of course, on visual marketing, where we have been looking at the changes in packaging, and we did actually study using eye tracking, the differences mm -hmm. in the ice cream package. And I and so we've been teaching our students some eye tracking and trying to get them on, on state-of-the-art techniques. And is that good? Or is it good that our students 
means no eye tracking? How much do you use eye tracking? In <laughs> so I think that's a great question. Yeah, certainly. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it's good. Good thing to know. Absolutely. And I think it's something that we have used in the past uh, in some of our brands, particularly if you're doing a major shift in your architecture and, and the way you're presenting the brand. I think it's a way to help. I also think it's oftentimes we just also have to step back and be a consumer, right? Like I say that to every new marketer on our team, just go down the ice cream aisle, open the freezer doors, you know, interact with it. Everything from an ice cream, you know, the doors get frosty, right? Like yep. that's a very different experience yeah. than, than grabbing a, a, a bottle of juice from an ambient aisle where you're not dealing with these other elements that can impact the consumer's ability to see your brand. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, that's the piece. I think absolutely, Barbara, research is important and it plays a critical role. But I think it has to be balanced with kind of your own perspective as a consumer and, and kind mm. of what the whole experience is in the place where the package is, right? Not just in, your, in our offices as we're looking at uh, the research. Okay, well, let, let's get now to Hagen das what we're here to actually talk about. <laughs> One of the first things I think that, I mean, I know you're doing a lot of repositioning, a lot of creative new directions. But, you know, one of these things is this idea of Haagen-Dazs as a luxury brand. Mm -hmm. Like, what mm -hmm. does luxury mean in, in ice cream? I mean, maybe it means more expensive, but I'm thinking you're going to put more into it than just that. Yeah, mm -hmm. great question. I mean, this idea is for our brand is not new. So 60 years ago, Ruben and Rose, our wonderful founders in the Bronx, New York, uh, came up with this idea to deliver an incredible, delicious, high quality ice cream experience. And they obsess over every ingredient they put into haagen -Dazs. They obsess over the name, which is totally made up if you didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> but you know what we love is that it, it, 60 years ago, their intention was to bring a small luxury to the many, right? And this idea of this ice cream that was better quality, that was more. Mm. And for us, we've always tried to stay honest to that. You know, quality first and foremost for us has been uh, always critical and important. But one piece that we realized uh, this past year is that we had not really evolved with cultural trends and consumer sentiments. And for a long time, we were trying to define luxury for the consumer. And in fact, wow. we have such a diverse consumer base. We love this idea that they can define it for us, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's at the core of our campaign that does is that luxury is not defined by a few or by a few a privileged group. Luxury should be defined by mm -hmm. everyone, by you. Uh, and I think for us, that's exciting. We've given a new platform to new creators that we haven't partnered with before. Mm. And, you know, we chose them because their point of view on what luxury is, is what we're excited about, not just our point of view on it. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's definitely what we teach our students, customer focus, not product focus. Mm -hmm. And if we've looked, if we learned anything from this last year in the pandemic, it's really about diversity, inclusion, and different people are going to have different points of view and really respecting that. And I think that's part of, I guess this new campaign you're talking about is like hashtag that's Daz. So if that's given right. that it's got a hashtag in it, does that mean it's largely a viral campaign, social media campaign? Yeah, so uh, That's Daz is our campaign, but you're right, we launched it with a uh, hashtag That's Daz, and we actually started it uh, on Instagram because we think it's such a, so a visual platform for our creators to be able to share their work and their interpretation of what luxury is. Uh, so that's how we kicked it off, uh, and now our campaign is more broadly available, so you'll see us on television. Uh, our print just hit this weekend. We have some beautiful 
work uh, that was shot by a young photographer named uh, Tyrell Hampton uh, and his view of, of luxury and his uh, perspective on our creative. Um, so it's now more broadly uh, out there, but it did start on social. So, so it's very visual. So does that mean you're, so what's the visuals of, what is the imagery? Is the imagery then ice cream or is the image imagery other kind of visions of luxury and then equate it with ice cream? Yeah, great question. So when you look at some of the work that our creators are doing on social right now, it's their interpretation of what luxury is, right? So, mm, you know, for someone that may be the way that they, uh, they, they do art, Jade Purple Brown, right? Amazing uh, artists. Uh, it could be the way that uh, someone else views it. And then what we're asking them is to bring that to the forefront on our, for our brand. And we're putting uh, paid media behind it to bring more uh, people to see what their interpretation of luxury is. So mm. it doesn't always mean it has to just be product, right? This is a, a, a luxury for us is a mindset. And whatever that is, is what we're hoping these young creators will bring to our brand. Uh, and you'll see it if you go to our, our, our channels, you'll start to see different viewpoints. Now, not to look the same, which for me is so exciting, right? Because if it's being defined by them, it should be with their perspective. Uh, and then obviously, yeah, we have some uh, beautiful product photography. I would, I would, um, I would, you know, be remiss to say if you look at our print ad. Obviously, it's a combination of um, of uh, that um, lifestyle and, and that definition of luxury, as well as um, our product mm. in complement of that. Because Hagen does, in our mind, is a small luxury that um, is is for the many, right? So uh, that's where that campaign. Uh, if you see visually, that's how it comes to life. So, so let me try to um, just back it out from a theory point of view, just in terms of how, quote unquote, this works, you know, so eventually you're going to have to try to sell ice cream at some level. But but so the, the vision is Haagen-Dazs is luxury. And what does luxury mean? And so then you're you're promoting different people's view of what luxury is with the hope that that association will convince people that Haagen-Dazs is a luxury brand and then they'll want to eat more luxurious ice cream. I mean, is that- Yeah, what, it's, it's interesting. How does so it work? Absolutely. Well, listen, we think about, when we think about uh, the high quality ice cream that we are, it is a small luxury, right, for, for, uh, for consumers. But what I'd say is different. It's not us defining the luxury. It's letting the consumer define it for themselves, right? And whatever that luxury feels or is to them, for us, that's what that's does is all about, right? Um, and our brand is quite uh, integrated in there. Again, going back to our history and what we stood for, we know our products, consumers um, have enjoyed our products products for a long time. They know our brand. We probably lost a bit of relevance because we were not showing up in a way that connected with consumers today. Uh, mm -hmm. So for us, that's part of the, the gap that we have to close on our brand is that how we define ourselves in the past uh, was anchored in, in, in the old definition of luxury, how uh, Keith Cartwright and, and his agency and their wonderful creator on That's That's is about this look forward to the future, which shows us um, understanding and being more reflective of cultural trends, be more inclusive as a brand, right? And, and starting to um, show up differently um, in, in the things that we're doing. So for us, that is how these uh, two things are, are, are coming together. And it's our evolution to present ourselves, you know, uh, in a more relevant way to consumers today. So you have a partnership with Lena Waith, is that oh. right? 
So yeah. what, can you tell us about that and how that connects to everything you're talking about? Absolutely. So I had an opportunity to meet with Lena a few months back. And, you know, I knew Lena from being a great actor. She's a great writer. I mean, she producer, CEO. I mean, her list of accomplishments is quite long. What we absolutely loved about Lena is the work that she's doing with the Hillman grad uh, productions and specifically the mentorship lab. So she has this mentorship program where she brings in right now, there's 25 fellows for a 10 week program. And really her goal is to give a voice to marginalized storytellers in the area of film and television. So she is creating her own impact out there with her work. And I love that. I mean, she's so accomplished in her own right. But the fact that she wants to help others and lift them with her with her work, we thought she would be a great partner uh, in, in multiple ways. You know, one is we provided some financial support for her organization as part of our three-year commitment to donate $1.5 million to underrepresented creators. So we, she was our first partner in that. But we also are starting to use some of her talent in our creative. So our television spot, uh, actually one of her um, her fellows are is in our TV spot. Uh, and we're looking to use talent from her mentorship lab to help us uh, create other content. So for us, this is not just a one-time partnership with Lena. The work that she's doing, we think, is important uh, in the film and television industry. And if there's a way that we can help or support that, we're just so happy to do that. And I think it's in line with our our, our goals, really, of of um, of the work that we're doing on Hagen Das, and that's Das, and providing a platform for creators that normally, you know, may not have a platform or are underrepresented in general. So for us, this is how these two meet. Um, and she's wonderful, and she's so passionate. Uh, it was such a pleasure to work with her and continue to work with her and her foundation. I'm Barbara Kahn, and along with Americus Reed, this is Marketing Matters. And we're joined by Elizabeth Marquez, who's the CMO at Dryer's Grand Ice Cream. And she was just talking about the new campaign for Haagen-Dazs, a new way of describing what's luxury and what's luxury is what the customers who eat Haagen-Dazs think luxury is. And so their campaign, hashtag that's Dazs, is really about boosting different different creators view of luxury mm. um, and she was just talking about a particular partnership that she had with Lena Waithe where, mm-hmm. where I guess Haagen-Dazs is typically giving out some money to um, people, creators um, different types of, of creative so she's, a, she's in filmmaking you were saying but are they giving it to she is, and she has this great um, mentorship program uh, that she uh, started, and it's an opportunity to bring uh, people that want to be in film, that want to be in television, whether they're writers or uh, actors, and she provides them the opportunity for 10 weeks to, to hone their craft, right, and give them opportunities then to be in film uh, and television and, and so on. So her mentorship lab uh, this year will bring about 25 new candidates, and we're so excited that we can help her bring that vision to life and and frankly just uh you know bring more underrepresented talent uh that we know we need elizabeth i want to ask a quick question because what you're saying is really interesting to me uh and actually points to another issue that i want to get your take on to make sure i understand it correctly there's another brand of ice cream that will remain unnamed that has taken a position to be a really hardcore activist type of ice cream what are your thoughts? So th- as this moves into like bringing in these really cool, young, hip entrepreneurs with particular viewpoints, et cetera, what's the brand's position on that? I, I- I'm definitely hearing yeah. like a social impact, you know, yeah. angle of this. But so right. where, where, where do you want to? Yeah. yeah. Where, where, what are your I thoughts on that? that? 
Well, and I love that you didn't mention the brand. I'll mention <laughs> uh, um, thank you for that. But, you know, I think you're referring to the brand Ben and & Jerry's. And they yes. have for a long time been so, so committed uh, to social issues and injustices, right? And, and frankly, what I'll share is that we um, admire the work they're doing. And, you know, there's so many um, injustices happening in our country that and there's just not one solution to it, right? I think for us is we can all do our part. And that may look different if you are a different brand. But in our in our situation, we felt like, you know, we had an opportunity to um, drive for for change and have impact. And we wanted to do it in a way that um, um, both helped and 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 hit on this challenge, but in a way that also was genuine to our brand, right? Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's important. And and again, I go back to because it's so important is that our history, you know, these. Um, it, these immigrants started this brand 60 years ago in the Bronx, right? And they were so mm-hmm. passionate and they wanted to bring something forward new and they had the ability to do that, right? Through the haagen brand. So if we can help others that want to do the same, in this case, these creators that are just so talented. Um, and if we can use our brand as our platform to do that, we are just so happy to do that. Uh, and it, with their efforts, they're reshaping what our brand looks like to in the future. So we think it's uh, it's been a really great partnership, but um, um, you know, I think we we um, we don't stand against Ben and Jerry's. We stand with them, and we think their work is quite wonderful. Uh, cool. And uh, but we'll do our own work uh, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. supporting of um, uh, you know the social injustices that that continue to happen. Yes, Barbara. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, so let me let me take this in another direction. So Hagen Das is a luxury brand, and I've been actually studying what other kinds of luxury, you know, handbags and other luxury things have done. And one of the things that we've seen a luxury coming out of the pandemic is really with a much more direct, um, they're going much more direct. In other words, um, instead of selling in department stores, Mm. even in the upscale department stores, a lot of these brands are going direct. So they have more customer data, more interaction with the data. And Mm. now I know Haagen-Dazs has their own stores. So Haagen-Dazs has been direct for a while. Have you made any, as CMO, have you made any decisions in terms of your direct versus wholesale experience and how much you want to be in connection with your customers and what you do with customer data and things like that? Because I know that one-to-one relationship in luxury is actually pretty important. And it sounds like in keeping with your DNA as a luxury luxury ice cream, it's really important to have that direct customer relationship. Yeah, and Barbara, you're mentioning our 200 plus Hagen stores uh, across the U.S. So mm-hmm. uh, we have them uh, across the country, and you're absolutely right. We think our our Hagen shops are a great way for us to be able to bring the brand to life in a different way. It's a more personal way, right? We can talk to the consumers that come in about our products. We can talk to them about our ingredients in a much lengthy uh, lengthy way. We can engage them. We can get feedback from them. So absolutely is a is a way that. Um, we have been connecting with consumers differently. Now, this past year, without a home ice cream sales, as we started the conversation being down, and a lot of our shops, unfortunately, having to be down uh, uh, due to uh, closures, um, we haven't been able to have that. For us, as we look forward, what I'd say is uh, our haagen shops will continue to play a really critical role in our brand because it is a way to build this next chapter of our story in a more personal way. Uh, mm-hmm. And what you'll see is um, a, a close relation and a close interaction between our retail and our and our haagen shops, right? And we've always intended for that, I think, but uh, our, our goal is to be more purposeful. Um, mm-hmm. And that includes bringing some uh, young creator talent to help us with things like our menu in our haagen 
shafts, right? Ah, Where you can be a lot more creative because you're making these great uh, dessert experiences firsthand. So mm. that's part of what we're looking to do um, here as we go forward. What I'd say our shops have done a great job of is that even though a lot of them were closed for in-person eating, they did a great job of switching to um, pickup and delivery, right? Yeah. To make sure that, you know, when someone wanted their favorite haagen flavor, they can certainly get it from their local haagen shop. So that's been a shift we've done. And our goal is to continue to maintain that, right? There's a... Um, there's a, a convenience to that that we know matters to a lot of consumers, right? Yes. Um, if you don't have yes. the time to step out. Um, in parallel to that, you know, our e-commerce business is growing, right? It's grown for everyone again in the past year um, yep. because of, of what's been happening uh, uh, globally and in the U.S. Um, and we're looking for ways to continue to build that as well as part of our, our, our growth agenda in the future. But our shops will play a critical role. Excellent. So since I have the CMO here, uh, would it be possible to make a request to open up a shop in West Philadelphia where I live? <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> so, right, right. So, so, so I, I can just live upstairs. I'll live upstairs and I could just come down and just get ice cream like all day. I, I would really love that. Can you put that request in for me? I love I really... it. Done. Done. I will put it down. I can't believe we don't have a shop in Philly. So we'll have to, we'll have to work on that as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's always fun to talk about ice cream. So thank you very much, Elizabeth, for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and everything that's going on at Dryer's Grand Ice Cream? Absolutely. Uh, they can follow us on our Instagram page or Facebook page. They can follow me on LinkedIn. There's so many exciting things coming that we're going to share uh, across all of our brands, not just Hagen Dust. Ah, that's great. Well, thanks a lot for being here. And I can't wait for summer. But like America says, every day is ice cream time. You know, pick your own time and eat ice cream anytime you want. Well, that's all we have time for today. A big thanks to Professor Americus Reed for being my co-host today. We'd like and we'd both like to thank our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins and Chris Tooks, and our producer, Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and we replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on our new Twitter uh, handle, which is at SXM Marketing, or you can follow Business Radio at at XM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening today. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM. 132.